0: In the name of Jesus, amen. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. Some of you know R.E.M. songs. If not, you should go check that one out. There's another quote that might be familiar to some of you. It's probably a little bit more germane to what we're talking about here with thinking of the coming of Christ's kingdom. It's a quote that was attributed to Martin Luther. If I knew the end of the world was tomorrow, I would still go and plant an apple tree today. It's a great quote. Only thing is, it's uncertain as to whether Luther ever actually said it. It's not in any of his writings. Scholars think that it probably arose from the confessing German church in the early 20th century to inspire hope and perseverance in the face of Nazi oppression and dictatorship. But even if Luther never did say it, the sentiment behind that quote still rings true. In these last weeks of the church calendar, let's spend a little bit of time considering how we should be waiting and watching, looking ahead for the end of the world as we know it, and the coming of our victorious King. What does waiting for the kingdom of God look like for people who follow Christ? Well, Jesus' parable today from Matthew 25, if we take a look at that, we'll see because it follows that parable we heard last week of the wise and foolish bridesmaids. Our Lord is calling his people to wait for his return by living responsibly. This isn't the first time that we've come to the end of the church calendar though. It runs from the beginning of the season of Advent, the first Sunday of Advent, usually at the end of November or early December, all the way through the last Sunday of the church year. The Sunday we celebrate is Christ the King Sunday. That's next week. And it's run that course over and over again year after year. It did last year, the year before that, all the way back to the time that it started, well before the Reformation. Here at St. John's we're getting our plans into place for Advent and Christmas and all the the extra services that come along with that. But why should we? Why should we spend any time doing any of those things if we're not sure when Jesus is going to come back, if he might return in victory at any moment? How would you spend your day if you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow or next week or next year? If you had only a certain number of days before you, how would that change how you looked at them? Now, on one hand, that's an invalid question because no one is going to know when Jesus is coming back to be among us. But on the other hand, that question is precisely what's behind that would-be Luther quote because A lot of people would probably say, if they knew they only had a certain number of days left, that they would do some exceptional things. They would undertake great adventures or big projects. But people also would spend time trying to reconcile relationships, heal that which is broken, needing patching up. Because why would you sit around and do nothing if you knew you were running out of time? Guess what? You're running out of time. Take a look back to Psalm 90. Keep going back to it. Memorize it. Because there we have a valuable reminder that you and I are indeed running out of time. Let the psalmist's prayer to God become your own. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. While we wait and watch for our master's return, we Christians need the wisdom that our Lord gives to stay awake. To stay awake against the lullaby of complacency. Waiting. Waiting for the coming of the kingdom of God with a complacent attitude. It's just going to warp your views. Your stewardship of your time, of your wealth, of your relationships, all of that will be twisted around, suffering if you believe the lie that the world tells you, that you have all the time in the world. Jesus' parable of the faithful and the unfaithful servants is a warning. It's a warning against complacency while waiting for his return. In our first reading that we had today from the prophet Zephaniah, God warned his people against thinking that he wasn't going to do anything in response to the way that they'd been living. Or rather, the way they'd been failing to live. Like that servant who thought he could simply return what the master had given him when the master came back without putting it to work. Complacency gets us thinking that things are just fine the way they are. Why do we need to do anything? As long as you're not misusing or losing that with which the master has entrusted you, where's the harm? He's going to get back what he gave. Well, Jesus is the master in this parable. And you and I, we are his servants. And yes, like the master, he has gone away. And from our perspective, it might seem like it's been a very, very long time. But that doesn't mean that he's not coming back. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't care about what you and I are doing in this time in between. Instead of being that inactive deity that those apathetic people of Zephaniah's time imagined God to be, God is at work. God is active in his creation. And he wants you and I... To be agents of his grace. He wants us to be involved in that action and caring for the world around us. Complacency is a dangerous thing for us Christians. Even though you might recognize that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Savior from sin and death, if you let complacency keep you from living responsibly You're failing to recognize just who He is as the Lord of all. Responsible living is making productive use of the gifts that God has entrusted to you, doing good to others in Jesus' name. Let me say that again. Responsible living is making productive use of the gifts God has entrusted to you. It is doing good to others in Jesus' name. We recently spent a month as a congregation considering what it meant to be consecrated stewards. So in the context of Jesus' parable here, we are those servants of the Lord. We are people set apart to use what we've been given in a way that reflects how our master would use them. Each one of you is entrusted with gifts that God would have you use to serve your neighbors. Now that service, it's going to look different in each life. It's going to look different in each season of life. Some of you have been entrusted with the gift of freedom for how to use your time to do what you will, when you will. So what's it going to look like For how you would use that gift, putting it to productive use for the good of your neighbor in Jesus' name. Or if you've got children at home like I do, how can you use the gifts that God has entrusted to your care to do good to them in Jesus' name? Or if you've been given great wealth, who are the people that God is putting before you so that you might serve as an ambassador of his grace? if you've got strong arms or a keen mind, how is God calling you to serve others in Jesus' name, showing his love to them with what you've got? As in Jesus' parable, the faithful servants use their master's wealth to make a good return on his investment. Making productive use of the gifts that God has entrusted you with by doing good to others in Jesus' name, living responsibly. This isn't some epic quest. It's not a massive undertaking that you need to ready for and go out and do. It's living. It's living day to day as people who are using what God has given, expectantly watching and waiting for our Master's return. Staying awake. That's what St. Paul encourages God's people to do in our reading today from 1 Thessalonians. And you don't have to fear the day of the Lord as that first unfaithful servant did with his one talent, burying it in the ground, taking the riches that he had been entrusted with and hiding them away. We can look ahead, not fearing our Lord's return, thinking him to be a hard man one who seeks to reap where he did not sow because we know who our master is. We know that God gives the riches of his grace to his people through Jesus. God has broken the power of sin. He wakes you from complacency to be able to use the gifts that you have been given so that you don't wind up like that unfaithful servant. Jesus has won your forgiveness in order that you might enter into the joy of your master. God wants you to know and be a part of his joy. So even if Luther never offered that saying about the apple tree, planting it the day before the world ends, he could, or you could, or I could certainly do the same, going about our work in Jesus' name as stewards of his gifts. No matter how much time we might have left, you and I get to respond to our Master's generosity by living responsibly, by making productive use of his wealth to do good to others in Jesus' name. And when our time comes, when our time on this earth ends, we can look forward to entering into the joy of our Master. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. 아멘.